Amen. We're going to have Brother Jared come, and we're going to get behind this preacher tonight. Amen. And uh, so come on, brother. Whatever God lays on your heart, ever how long, whatever, you just share it. Thank you for giving to the Lord. That song messes me up every time. Brother Cameron was saying what he was saying. I was thinking of that song, and then y'all began to sing it. And, um, man, God has met with us already. and I know you're probably tired. And I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't even going to preach this. What you, don't worry about it. I can't close this out. It's twofold, and I. Um, but I'll do. I want to just. We'll just speak for God a minute. Cameron, can you help me? I really had no intentions to do this, but. Because it's kind of twofold. But the Lord spoke to me as God was doing what he was doing here tonight. I usually like to tell the pastors ahead of time, be prepared. I'm usually messy. But I'll try not to make a mess tonight. Earlier this year, the Lord began to speak to me. I was reading in the book of Genesis and the Lord dealt deeply with me that we were going to see the remnant. There's a lot of people that are just doing church, but there's a few that are a part of the remnant. And he said that we would see the remnant redig the wells of revival. And the Lord had opened about four doors for me to go preach the beginning of January. And the Lord told me at all three places that I would go to to buy a shovel and to present that to the pastors of the house. And he said, dig. But the Lord's got a separate word for this house. And I'll speak that in just a minute. But Genesis chapter 26, I, I just want to share with you a few things. I and I know that we've started, but I'm going to tell you what God's going to do this week. He's going to get the dirt out. This morning we talked about getting the dirt off. Whenever David got up off the ground, David had to get the dirt off of him. See, it's one thing to get the dirt off the outside, but it's another thing to get the dirt out of the inside. <laughs> when I talk about dirt, I'm talking about bitterness. I'm talking about unforgiveness. I'm talking about shame. I'm talking about murder. I'm talking about hatred. It's easy a lot of times to get the dirt off the physical man. But when God begins to touch the spiritual man or your soul, we begin to knock his hands off of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. But 3 John verse 2 says, that this that his heart beloved 
my heart be to you that you be in health and your soul prospers. God wants our soul to prosper. I looked up that word soul and it means psyche. Your mind, your will, and emotions. Let me ask you, what is your mindset like? He said, I anointed my head with oil. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Why? For our mind. If the enemy's going to come at us, where's he going to come first? He's going to attack the mind. If you recall, when the Shunammite woman, when her son was about 12 years old and he went out at harvest time, what does the Bible say that he did? My head, my head. Can I tell you, whenever it's harvest time, the enemy's going to attack your mind. You ever seen people grab their mind and say, I don't know what's going on. You ever done that before? And you grab your mind and you don't know what's going on, but you feel under such attack. Can I tell you, the enemy's after the mind. So we need to take on his mind. The next thing he does is our will. Oh, don't touch my will. You see, even Jesus, when he became man, that's why he became man. Because he became man, because he became a man with a mind, a man with a will, and a man with emotions. So that he could be tempted and tried in every way as you and I. But yet, but yet he was without sin. So that you and I could come boldly to the throne of grace. And so Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. And he said it three times. So what was God doing to Jesus, to his son? He was trying his will. And even Jesus said, oh God, Father, if this cup could pass for me, let it pass. There's many things in your and my Gethsemane that will want to pass. I have felt God's hand in the last six months of my life begin to touch places in my will that he's never asked for before. Sometimes you get a honeymoon stage when you get born again and God touches the fleshly things. And a lot of times the fleshly things are pretty easy to give up. Then he goes a little bit farther and he begins to touch something a little bit deeper. But then there's a third touch. And he gets all the way up in to the center of your life. And he said, now I want that. And a lot of times we're like, Jesus, oh God. If this can pass for me, let it pass. But he said it can't. Because I want all of you. And God wants all of us in this season. And so I believe this week that the Father's going to put his hands in places that he's never touched before. He's going to begin to require things of your life in this season that he didn't require in the last. But he's going to begin to purge the remnant in this hour like we've never seen him purge us before. We must go through seasons of Gethsemane. Because what's on the inside of you has got to get out. And the only way that it can get out is through a crushing. Gethsemane means all of press. You've got to be pressed in order to get what's on the inside of you out. Paul said, I was hard pressed on every side. But I was not destroyed. Can I tell you, when God begins to press you and I, 
He's not trying to hurt you, abandon you, or abuse you. But he's trying to get what's in you out of you. And sometimes that's very painful. And so God wants to not only heal our mind, but God wants to touch our will. And he wants to heal that. And then the third thing God wants to, if he can get that will, then he can get your emotion. How did Jesus respond on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know why he could say that? Because he wasn't operating in emotions. He had already died to his will, and when he died to his will, he died to his emotions. And when you can submit everything about your life and your will to your life, then you'll be able to honor God with your emotions and the way that you respond. But the problem with the church is she is so unhealthy. We're so hurt. We're so rejected. We're so beat down. We so want status and positions and this and that. We're totally comparing ourselves one to another, and we don't know how to operate in the grace of God. And whenever we're constantly competing with somebody else, operating in rejection, looking for somebody to hurt me, abuse me, and accuse me, then the only way that you can respond is out of your emotions. And most of the time, our response when we've been rejected is not healthy. God wants to heal our emotions and the way we respond to conflict and abuse and rejection. And so what does God do? He begins to go deeper in our life. He begins to touch things that he's never touched before. In Genesis chapter 26, the Bible speaks of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. And I love Genesis chapter 26, and I love the fact that when there was a season of famine, guess what Isaac still did? He sowed. And so let me just tell everybody here what, what, what the man of God got up and asked for offering and tithes. You may say, well, I don't have it to give. I challenge you to give in a season of famine and watch you receive a seat at the table of feasting. You see, Isaac sowed when nobody else sowed in the season of famine. But because Isaac sowed in the season of famine, he reaped a 100-fold blessing. And he began to receive the feasting. And so whenever we can sow in seasons of famine, then we'll be blessed. And we'll receive the feasting. So the Bible says in Genesis 26 that he began to prosper. He received a 100-fold blessing. And he began to prosper. And the Bible says, as a matter of fact, he became very prosperous. Can I tell you that whenever you begin to prosper, you get the enemy's attention. There'll always be conflict over your prosperity. One thing that I've learned about this life is I've received a lot more rejection over favor than I ever did failure. Come on, somebody. I said, I have received more rejection over favor than I ever did failure. As long as I was a dopehead smoking dope, killing babies, guess what? I wasn't a threat to nobody. 
But the moment I got in the kingdom of God and God began to connect with with people like your pastor, I didn't go looking for this relationship. God connected us. And there are other relationships that God divinely connected. I didn't pick up the phone and say, can I be your friend? Can I be your pal? Can I come preach at your pulpit? I've never asked to preach anywhere, but God will divinely connect kingdom-minded people in this hour that we're living in. But the moment that began to happen, people began to rebuke me over favor, more than they did failure. The moment that you begin to prosper in your life and in your soul, you better be prepared for rejection to come your way. You better be prepared. That's why I said this morning, had no idea what the, what the enemy was going to try to do here today. The moment this church stood up last year, you immediately got a bullseye on your back. Because not only are you standing up, but now you're standing out. And so everybody knows who you are. Pastor Angela said, if they didn't know who we were, they do now. I don't know what all that entails, but I just got a little bit excited. That just told me there's a bullseye on the back and Pastor Angela wasn't even in here. Come on, somebody. Everybody's going to know where new life of La Habra is. And so the Bible said that Isaac sowed in the season of famine. But here's what happened. Verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. People's going to begin to get jealous of your prosperity. When you get healthy, guess what? People lose control over you. I said, when you get healthy, people lose their ability to control your life. When your soul begins to prosper and you get healthy, guess what? People can't control or dictate the outcome of your destiny anymore because they don't determine your destiny, but God does. And somebody just needs to know that my God determines your destiny and the outcome. It is Him that brings prosperity to you and I. People want the unhealthy version of you. That's why they'll get in the bed with you but won't get on the battlefield with you. See, they can control the unhealthy you, but they cannot control the healthy you. And so Isaac began to prosper. And because of his prosperity, they begin to envy him. They begin to push against him. And let me just tell this church, you better be prepared for the same thing. You have faced some things. You have faced some enemies. But prosperity in ways that this house has never seen it is about to come. The Philistines is one of the greatest enemies that God had. And now they're beginning to envy the man of God. In great measures. Verse 15 said, For all the wells which his father's servant had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with the earth. How many of you know what the earth is? It's the old life. My God. You ever had people come by and just kick dirt on you? Anybody ever kick dirt on you? You ever, you ever heard somebody say, I got a lot of dirt on you? You ever heard that before? You know what you need to tell them? 
Say, well, so does God. But you know what he did in Genesis chapter 3? He picked the dirt up off the ground. And he blew breath on the inside of the dirt. And Psalm 103 says that he realizes that you and I are just dirt. So the next time somebody says, I've got dirt on you, say, so does God. But he put breath on the inside of me, and I'm no longer dirt. Now I'm bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So you can take your dirt elsewhere. Because now I'm a son or daughter of the Most High God. Psalm 103 said, I'm reminded that you are only dirt. How about that? So tell them, God's got dirt on me too. But he put his breath in my dirt. And I'm no longer dirt. I'm God's son. Now I'm God's son. And so the Philistines put dirt in his well. Don't you just love how the enemy comes by? And tries to stop up your flow. Uh, the enemy comes by and tries to stop up your flow. Come on now. So the Bible goes on to say. Verse 16. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, go from us. For thou art much mightier than we. Now power comes upon you. People don't want nothing to do with you because they surely can't control the power that's flowing through you. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar. And he dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham and they called their names after the names by which his father had called them. Just because Abraham died, the enemy thought that he could take advantage of his son. My God. I thank God for the people of God that's went on before us that aren't alive today. And I give great honor to them. But let me tell you what. Just because they're dead and gone don't mean that we're going to sit back and let the devil come in and put dirt in our wells. Are you hearing me tonight? I said I thank God for the men that's gone on before us. But I thank God there's the men with us right now. And if you think, devil, that you're going to come and just come into our house, come into our lives, and just put dirt in our well, devil, you better back up. You've got another thing coming because I believe that I'm in the middle of a bunch of well diggers. We're going to redig the wells of revival this week. Come on, somebody. If you're ready to dig, say praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what else God is going to do. He's going to restore generations this week. How does he restore generational things through honor? Isaac could have named the wells anything he wanted to name them. But he said, I'm going to name them the exact same thing my father named them. He said, I'm not only going to get the dirt out, but I'm going to restore the name. My God, my God. That tells me that Isaac's going to bring honor to his father. And guess what's going to happen? People are watching the way that he honors his father. 
And the very one that rejected him is going to come back to him and say, we see that God is with you. Can I come in covenant with you? Can I come in a covenant with you? Can I come in relationship with you? And I just prophesy over this house. There's been people that's left this church wrongly and they're going to see the favor of God and the prosperity upon your life, man of God. And they're going to come back and you're going to dig another well and you're going to walk in covenant with them people. They left wrong. They kicked you out because they were they left because they were jealous of you. They were jealous of the favor of God on this man's life. They tried to wound him and hurt him and cut him, but it didn't phase you. It didn't phase you. You didn't bleed on them. You loved them. And they left because they couldn't control you. Just like Abimelech said, Isaac, you're too much for us. Get out of here. But guess what Isaac did? Still does, baby. I ain't stopping digging wells. You grow me off, you leave my church, whatever. Guess what? When you come back in 10 years, guess what? We still going to be doing the same thing we were doing when you left. We're doing the same thing. I believe Brother Clinton said when they showed back to his church 10 years later, he said the same devil that was in that pulpit when you left is still in that church, still preaching the same old. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm not going to stop undigging. I'm not going to stop digging. I'm going to keep getting the dirt out. You leave me if you want to. I'm going to be about the Father's business. And when you come back, guess what? We'll still have a shovel in our hand. Digging a well. Come on, somebody. People leave, they think everything's going to fall apart. They won't make it without my money. Mr. Big Bucks. But Abimelech came back one day. I probably won't get there. But Abimelech came back and we said, we see the favor of God on you. Can we be in covenant with you? Can we make our wrongs right? And I just speak that over your life and over this house. They're coming back in the right time. And they're going to say, I'm sorry, Pastor. Can I be in covenant with you? And guess what you're going to do? You're going to dig another well there. And it's going to be named the, the well of oath. <laughs> you're going to have a covenant there. But guess what? This time you're going to establish it, not them. You'll make the decision for their life. They won't try to control you any longer because God will give you the upper hand as the pastor. You see, church, when prosperity comes to a man or a woman or a church, it really makes the agenda of the enemy mad. Hell begins to come out in every way possible. If you knew the things that I'd face to try to get here. Days of loneliness, fighting, trying to finish a church at home. So many things going on. 
of 140 women coming to our church this weekend. Camp meeting in a month away. Trying to finish the church so everything can be done. 10,000 reasons not to be here. Oh, but God, there's an assignment that we got to go. God, we're going to go. We're going to redig some wells of revival in California. But it's not just going to flow out of new life. I said I seen this morning a river flowing out of this house. And it's going to be like a Psalm 133. The church is getting in line. The church is getting in order. And when the oil began to flow from the top of Aaron and everybody that was in proper position and got in the right place, when the oil started at the head, every place that was in position, it went downward. Everybody that was underneath the head was touched by the oil. I prophesy over this house. Get in proper position and the oil will be upon your life. You will prosper. And you will make the devil mad. Isaac was beginning to prosper despite the famine. Why? Because he sowed in the season of famine. And I found if you can't be trusted in the famine, you won't get a seat at the table of feasting. Some people can't stand prosperity on you. But I speak... That if this house will sow at all seasons, especially seasons of famine, you will always eat at the table of feasting. You hear me a minute, church. If your pastor has an off month, if you don't feel like the anointing's there, you better sow like you've never sowed before because God has to allow a famine to come to some people sometimes so that we don't take it for granted when I seat at the table of feasting. Come on, somebody help me. I said, so don't jump from church to church to church going where the, fam- where the feast always is. Sow in the season of famine and watch what God does in the feast. People jump from church to church. Well, something's wrong with my pastor. He ain't preaching under the anointing. Maybe you coming against him. Maybe you quit sowing. Well, I don't know if I can sow right now. Something seems off. That's the problem. You're it, not him. See, if you get in proper position, no matter what, if you'll learn to sow in a season of famine and quit looking out to the new thing down the road, the new thing that's drawing you, well, they got a good worship band. Well, they got a good preacher. Well, they got fire preachers. Well, they got lights. Well, they got this. Well, they got that. Some of you just need to let all that stuff go, and you need to know that God has you right where you're called to be. Quit jumping from place to place to place and just sow where God has you right now in your life. I don't care what comes your way. I don't care if there's a famine for a year. Sow in the year and watch what God does in the second.
I wrote that for a church two weeks ago, and I never preached that there. And as I read it tonight, that's when the Holy Ghost said, preach that tonight. And he said, tell this church what you wrote two weeks ago is for them. So I'm going to read it again. Some people can't stand prosperity on you. But I speak of this house will sow at all seasons, especially seasons of famine. You will always eat at the table of feasting. You will begin to feel pressure and push back like you've never experienced it before when prosperity comes to your life. And when I say prosperity, I'm not talking about prosperity preachers on TV. Although I'm not here to knock anybody, I'm just telling you that's not. I'm talking about prospering in every way of your life. I'm talking about getting your mind right. I'm talking about getting your heart right. I'm talking about getting your soul right. I'm talking about getting your feet right. I'm talking about not just what you say, but the way that you walk. I'm talking about getting healthy where you're not comparing yourself to everybody else. You know what I come to find out? If you'll get a shovel in your hand and quit looking for a mic in your hand, you'll get a lot more done. See, a lot of people want the mic, but very few people want on a shovel. One thing I learned about the shovel ministry is there's no competition there. There's no comparison there. Everybody's digging, brother. Everybody's dirty, brother. We're not competing over anointing. We're just trying to dig a well. We're just trying to dig a dish. My God, I feel the holy... My God, get a shovel and begin to dig. Everybody wants a mic, but very few want a shovel. If you can't be trusted with a shovel, then you can't be trusted with a mic.
Say, Pastor, why you want to dig a well instead of preach a message? Because where there's a well, there's life. <laughs> See, in the Bible days, and a lot of places that you go around the world to Africa, a lot of these villages, Colombia, maybe where you've traveled, Nigeria, they'll have one well in a community. And everybody travels from a long way off, and most of the time, like in the Bible days, and even days now, they'll walk, and they'll carry a bucket on top of their head, and they'll go to the well. And they'll fill that bucket with water, and they'll go back, and they'll dump it out. Then they'll go back. So a well was a symbol of prosperity and life. So everybody would gather around. A healthy well was the type of a healthy community. I mean, the people could gather there. They would meet there. They would come to the well. That's why the Samaritan woman went when she went because she knew that there would be a lot of people there. And the shame and the guilt that was upon her life, she didn't want to see anybody. You know why? Because she was afraid of community. She was afraid of connection because she had been divorced and hurt and abused. She didn't want to get connected because if she got connected to community, then she may get hurt again. And so she went at the well at a time when nobody else's community was not there. So the purpose of a well is to give life. And you see, if the well is not healthy, everything that drinks of that water will die. You see in the book of 2 Kings when Elisha the prophet comes and he said the people are drinking of the well but the water is not. That word not literally means bad or it means miscarry. So the fruit would form but it would fall to the ground before it could come to fullness. Women were getting pregnant but they would miscarry. Cows were getting pregnant but they were miscarrying because the water was bad. And the problem is a lot of our churches and a lot of us people have bad water in our well. And so people that come to us, they don't come to fullness because we'd rather control and just let them form a little bit, but then we're going to smush them. And our churches, a lot of times, we won't bring people to fullness because their anointing may get greater than mine. And so the water that's in the wells of a lot of churches in this world have bad water in it. Fruit will form, but it will fall to the ground prematurely. Nothing will be able to reproduce and bring to full term. Why? Because everything that drinks of this well is drinking the same water flow. You see, the source of the water matters a lot. And the well that you have in your heart and in your church matters a lot because people are thirsty. People are looking for water because it's a dry land. There's very few churches that have what New Life has in La Habra, California. So people are longing for what you've got. So when people come looking for a drink of water, what do you have to give to them? Yeah. Is your water not that's in you? Is it bitter water? Because the children of Israel, after coming through the Red Sea, came to Marah, and there was no water. But then they came to Marah, and they drank the water. The water was bitter. Is your water bitter? Is your water bad? Does your water allow people to come to full term, or do they miscarry and abort? 
So where there's a healthy well, there's healthy life, there's healthy community, there's healthy prosperity. Where there's a healthy church, then there's be a healthy community around you. People are looking for what this church has. A lot of people just hasn't heard yet. And so why would I dig a well? Because where there's a well, there's life. Where there's a well, there's life. And the purpose of digging a well is to give life. But not just temporal life. But life, that's eternal. Life, that's eternal. And so the purpose of this well, why would Isaac keep digging and keep digging and keep digging? Because he knew that I've got to unclog these wells. Because we got to get water again. But then there's a plan of the enemy. So then the Philistines come. John chapter 4 verse 14 says this. Before I move to the agenda of the enemy. John 4 verse 14. How many of you know there's a well in you according to Jesus? John 4 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So the enemy has an agenda to where there's life. If I begin to dig a well which represents life, then that tells me that the enemy has an agenda to stop up my well. My God. So if you and I, are wells of water. Y'all watch this now. Okay? You see this? What is this? It's water in it. Clear water, right? Healthy water, right? You see the water? You see the water? It's clean. It's healthy. But you know what the enemy does? You ever have people come by you and just begin to kick dirt on you? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about good old church folks. Can y'all give me a can you give me a church smile now? I ain't talking about worldly folks. I'm talking about good old church people that the person sitting next to you comes by and kicks dirt in you. Oh, y'all don't got religious spirits out here, do you? I'm sorry, I got the wrong church. I'll wait till we get back to Bonifay and deal with that spirit. I can't believe you would be down there acting like that. I don't know what you're doing. Who do you think you are to get to preach? You just got out of jail. Praying in tongues. You were just smoking marijuana. They're clogging up your well, and guess what? You're giving them access to do it. I don't care who puts dirt in your well. It's your responsibility to get the dirt out of your well. There's a lot of people that see the dirt in you. And they just enjoy because that's their assignment. Come on, somebody. I said that's their assignment is to get you sidetracked. Because you know what affects the enemy more than anything? 
a spirit-filled believer. And so guess what people begin to do? They just begin to put all their little hurt and their little pain and their little rejection, and guess what? Since now they can't control you, guess what? They're going to try to put dirt in you. And guess what begins to happen? You got any more dirt, Cam? Guess what? You ever known people that just stir the pot? Huh? Oh, yeah. Because if I stir the pot, guess what? People just begin to stir the pot. And here's what begins to happen. Remember that clear water a while ago? Remember? Anybody remember the clear water? Now look. Now there's a mixture. I was once pure. But people began to kick dirt in my well. Because Jesus said there'd be a living well, water in you. And if you drank of this, then what would happen? It would constantly flow. But as you begin to flow and as you begin to prosper and as you begin to give life, then people begin to come alongside of you and begin to They begin to talk about you. They begin to put you down. Sometimes it's in our own household. Sometimes wives say that to their husbands and husbands to their wives. Sometimes we do that to our children. You ever thrown dirt in your baby's well? Come on now. You ever discourage them from the will of God because they may have to leave your house? You know how many teenagers I know that are totally out of the will of God? Because when they were called to go to ministry school, mom and dad wouldn't let them. They wanted them to get a degree and made them get a degree. And whenever they went to college to get a degree, they fell into great dark sin. You know what was happening? Putting dirt in their water. Putting dirt in their well. The enemy has a plan to bring your dirt up, put dirt in you. The enemy's always plotting against you. Listen to this. There were several wells that he began to dig, and the first well was Esek, and Esek means opposition, competition, debate, dispute, and contention. I'm about tired of digging wells comparing myself to somebody else. I'm up tired of digging wells and people constantly debate me on why are you digging it this way? Why are you digging it that way? And so you know what Isaac did? He said, by God, if you're going to keep being that way, I'm going to go to the next well. Sometimes you just need to pack up your shovel and move on. And so then they went to the next well and the name of that well was Sitna. But you know what happened there? The name of Sitna means hatred and hostility. You ever heard the saying, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better? We're not only comparing ourselves here, but now I hate you for digging the well that way. Now we're hostile. Now there's hatred. Now they're just back and forth at one another. One another. 
So they just love throwing dirt in our well. Still with me? I don't know if y'all have ever experienced this before. You probably hadn't. But guess what's about to happen? And the people in the church has had so much dirt thrown in their well that guess what? Won't even be there no more. Water. The dirt took over the water. You know why? Because the moment that people put dirt in my well the first time, I didn't get it out. See, your pastor can't be responsible for your rejection. Your pastor can't be responsible for your unforgiveness. Your pastor don't know and is not responsible if you were sexually abused when you were five and you've not wanted to talk to nobody about it, but you're, you're, you're immoral in every which way possible. You were sexually abused by the same sex by your babysitter and you struggle with homosexuality. It's not your pastor's responsibility to bring that up. It is our responsibility to bring that up and bring that to God and allow the Lord to go back to that place and bring healing to my life. The problem in the church today is we've let the devil come by and our enemy come by and our family come by and our church members go by and put dirt on my water. And when they don't take responsibility, Pastor, it's always somebody else's fault. Well, them Philistines put dirt in my well. I can't believe they would do that since my daddy died. Well, my daddy's dead, so I can't do nothing about it. By God, yeah, you can. I bought some shovels for this house. My God, I said, I bought some big shovels. We bought some little shovels, and we got some midway shovels. We got a shovel for everybody. I said, we got a shovel for everybody. And tonight, it's time somebody start digging the dirt out of your well. Some of you are so clogged up because you refuse to talk to anybody that you were sexually abused. You refuse to talk to anybody, but you want to stay in the same vicious cycle of the same immorality, of the same porn addiction, of the same homosexuality. God wants to break the chain tonight. By God, if you believe it, praise him. Hey. 
Young man, we lose people like you did in our life. And the enemy comes by and kicks dirt in our well and says, why did I have to lose her? Why did these things happen to me? Why did this have to happen? And the enemy comes by and puts dirt in our well and said, who do you think you are? We begin to question God. Come on, I know there's no God questioners in this house. Well, why did that happen to me? If God was a God of love, he would have stopped that man or that woman from abusing me. He's not a God of love. Some of you are so mad with God. Some of you hate God, but you're afraid to say it. Because in your adult, uh, Christian, good little church mind, you act like you got it all together. But there's a three-year-old inside of you screaming and kicking like a little hurt baby. And you wonder why every time somebody talks to you, you take it as offense instead of as love. God wants to heal this They kept digging, Pastor. They kept digging. And finally they came to Rehoboth. You know what Rehoboth means? There's no more striving here. There's no more enemy here. There's no more fight here. My God. I just wonder, will this hold me? Is there anybody here that's tired of the fight? Are you tired of the struggle? Because some of you's got the same spirit Saul had. As long as you're in church and his preaching's happening and his worship's happening, then you're not tormented by the devil. But the moment you get home, you want to curl up in your bed. You want to ball up in fear. And you want to think about what's been done to you or what you've done. But God wants to break the spirit of Saul off somebody. Somebody's got to get out of the bed. God wants to bring you to your own will. Rehoboth means broad spaces. It means open spaces. God's about to expand the territory for new life, La Habra. You better get ready. The striving's about to be over. You're about to dig a well that you've never dug before. God said, I'm opening the spaces. I'm expanding the territory. Then they dug the last well. And it was his own well, not one that Abraham had priorly dug. My God. Pastor Jonathan, you and Pastor Angela, you're about to dig a well and other people's going to want to dig your well. My God. You're going to quit talking about what you've seen before you. You're going to quit digging the spiritual fathers before you. God said you're about to dig your own well. I heard God say this. Come up here, Pastor Angela. I got a word for y'all. You're going to dig this well. It's an apostolic well. You're fixing to teach and train. 
you're going to raise up and you're going to send out. And it'll be a well that people will long to come sit at your feet and learn of you. Mm. The people that's left you prematurely are about to come back. And they're going to want to sit at your feet. And they're going to say, I want to come and covenant with you and serve you. What I held over your head, I'm about to serve you with. What they didn't give you access to prior, they're about to give you complete access to. Then I heard the Lord say, you're not only going to dig wells, but the Lord said you're about to dig ditches. God's about to take you to the valley. And the people said, is there a prophet here? And they said, Elisha's here. And he hears from God. And what he speaks, he speaks for God. And so when they came to the prophet, and they didn't know what to do on the run, seven days without water, he said, you see this valley? He said, dig ditches. My God. You're about to see God do the impossible through you. You listen to me, church. Seven days without water, sometimes it gets lonely. And you're digging ditches now. And you're like, my God, where's the water coming from? Because now I really need something to drink. God said, keep digging. He said, keep digging. He said, because you're not going to see wind. You're not going to see rain. And I heard God say to me before I left, don't follow the forecast, follow the Father. Because if you look at the forecast, you're not going to see rain. But Jesus said, I only speak and I only do what my Father does. And God said, don't follow the forecast. Follow the Father and keep digging ditches. Because God said, by the way of Edom, by the way of Edom, I'm about to send water from a way you can't even... from ways you can't fathom. God said, I'm about to send the water. I'm about to fill the dishes. Not only am I going to fill the ditches, but God said, I'm going to give you rocks and you're going to be able to stop up the devil's flow. He said, I'll give you stones. He said, and you'll put them in the well. You're going to stop the flow of hell in this whole region. You won't see wind and you won't see rain. But from the way of Edom, I'll fill the ditch. <laughs> Where's Kyle? Come here. The Lord said, Buy y'all the small shovel. He said, buy your two sons the bigger shovels. Yeah. 
Because they're going to reach farther than you've ever thought about reaching. God said, Kyle and Cameron, he said, begin to dig the ditches. He said, begin to dig the ditches. They'll plant churches. They won't be here forever. There's an apostolic anointing, and they'll be the first two to go out. Don't doubt the call that's in you. And when God says go, Kyle, when God says go, Cameron, you got to go. Dig a dish, man of God. Dig a dish, man of God. Here's what I saw in that passage. Never saw this before. There were two kings that went out and searched for the prophet, but then the king of Moab came and joined them. My God, my God. And I saw a triple-graded cord that's not easily broken. And I saw y'all and them two sons of yours coming together and God saying, dig a ditch. Your ditch won't be your mom and dad's ditch, Kim. Kyle, your ditch won't be mom and dad's ditch, and it won't be Cameron's ditch. Quit trying to dig for Cam. Start digging for Kyle. Watch the anointing that begins to flow out of Kyle. When you begin to flow like Kyle, quit comparing yourself to Cameron. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Begin to walk like Kyle's anointed. Go down to the brook and get your five smooth stones and take the giant's head off. New life. You gonna dig with these men of God and women of God? You gonna dig with your pastors? Or are you gonna sit still? There's some dirt in this house. It's time you start getting it out. Because let me tell you, it's not their responsibility to get the dirt out of you, and it's not your responsibility to get the dirt out of them. It's their responsibility to talk to you about the dirt that's in you. But then God's going to put a shovel in your hand tonight and you got to dig down in the nasty, dirty dirt of bitterness, of murder, of unforgiveness, of rage, of anger, of resentment, of being molested, of being sexually abused, of being raped. I don't care. Your homosexuality, your pornography addiction, your sexual perversion. I'm talking about the vilest of the most vile. It's time to get it out tonight. Come on! Stand to your feet. Guess what? Ain't no water in that bucket no more. Let me tell somebody this. It's a whole lot more costly to carry dirt than it is water. You know what I saw two weeks ago? I saw a man set down the bucket of water because of his pride was going to show how good he could carry the dirt. Many of us have set down the water 
to prove our point to carry the dirt. Let me look at you in the eye. Some of you have done very well carrying your dirt around. It don't faze me, bull. It's destroying your life. You need to quit being arrogant. You need to lay down your stinking pride and realize and recognize you're a hurt little boy inside of a 55-year-old man's body. You're a hurt little girl wrapped up in all your little Facebook posts. Acts like you got it all together and you're beautiful. But on the inside when you lay down at night and your pillow's covered with nothing but tears because you can't stand who you are. You can't stand what you look like. You can't stand what's going on on the inside of you. It's time that the house of God get real with God one last time and allow God to begin to get the dirt out of your life so that His living water can begin to flow out of our life. And we got to get the dirt out, church. You got to quit putting on a fashion a facade of you get off the mask and get real with God and quit acting like you got it all together whenever you're just playing a lot of games with God he knows where you are I don't care how good you are at sports or how smart you are probably what drives a lot of that is your pain You perform to cover up your pain. There's so much performance in the church. Let me see if I can speak in tongues louder so they'll think that I'm godly. You know why you got louder in tongues? Because you're dying on the inside. Don't use Jesus as your cover-up. It's time to get off the fig leaves and get covered with the sacrifice. Fig leaves will always dry up and roll up and you'll be exposed for who you really are. But the blood will keep you covered from here on out. Fig leaves is the top of the law. Some of you do good for moments. Oh, look how good I am. I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit pouring just to go right back to it. Because you're trying to live a lawful life and the fig leaf will always wither up on you just like the law will. But when you get covered in that skin, I promise you grace will keep you covered from here on out. I want to know who's tired of playing games. I'm going to ask a serious question right now. There's some of you that's bound by some of the things I said. You've been molested. You've been raped. You've been abused. You're struggling with homosexuality. There's things that's happened to some of you under the sound of my voice. You said you would take to your grave. You'd never tell anybody. If that's you, I want you to step out right now. There's things in your life. Come on. That you said you'd take to your grave. Come on. All that takes is one to start. I promise you there's a house full. There's a house full. Come on. Hey, sis, don't go down. Don't go down. Stand up. Because here's what happens. That that you're carrying drives you down to the ground. It's pity. God's going to break the pity off you tonight. You're not going to carry pity around. People's not going to be drawn to your pity party no more. You're not going to go bow down on that side. You're going to be a worshiper of God when you leave here tonight. God's going to break the yoke off you. Come on, we'll make way up here. Come on. Come on up here. 
Is there more? Come on up here, Priscilla. I want everybody to be up here close where I can see you. Sir, God wants to break the chain off your life, the struggle in your mind. You're not a pervert. You'll be married and reproduce life. I break the curse of immorality and homosexuality off you now. Sweetheart in the pink, let him break it. Let him have it. Let it go. Come on. Come on. Let him have it. Let him have it. You see where you were abused. You're trembling. You're fearful. You were told if you say anything, you would die. And those that you were closest to, they would die. My God. See, that's why your hands are over your mouth. Somebody put their hand over your mouth because don't say a word. I'll loose the hand off your mouth and I say, speak. Now. Now. Let it go. My God. Let it go. Let it break. Let it break. Let it break. Let it break. You got to forgive. You got to forgive. My God. My God. Let it break. Let it break. Years. Come on. Now. That's it. Let it break. That's it. Let it break. Let it break. Let that stronghold break, sis. That's it. Let it go. You're safe. You're safe. You're safe. The rest of the church intercede. There's more. There's more. Come on.
just watch. She's your mama. Because your mom blessed you and took you and beat you. So you treat your wife.
I'm going to tell you something. This is a week of breakthrough and and inner healing and inner restoration. Deep, deep, deep work God is doing. And you know what? Some of you may not understand it, but I'm going to tell you right now. I know that I know that I know down deep in my, in my spirit, God is doing a work here, okay? And so I know that. I've been in Pentecost 32 years, almost 33, okay? And I've seen God do things, but I've never seen anything like I've seen here or last year up in that mountain. What God did, and it, I just I, I never experienced anything like it in my life. And church, I'm telling you, it's God. It's God. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I know there's I know there's one or two that's just they're sitting back and they're going, This is just uh, um, I don't know. I'm gonna tell you right now. We know because the Bible says, try every spirit. We have the Holy Ghost in us that gives us that witness in our spirit of what is God. And I'm gonna tell you something deliverance is of God. And there's things that we hold on to and we sit in church like he preached time and time, year after year, all these long period of time. And then, you know, the Spirit of God begins to move in our life and move in our midst. And God begins to stir things up. And I can tell you, He's doing a cleansing. Amen? He's doing a purging. He's doing removing removing these things that have so easily beset us. These weights and these sins and these things. And I'm telling you, you better get in. Amen? This river, while it's flowing, praise God, He will... He will heal your life. He will heal you down deep in your soul and bring that prosperity. Amen. I was reading this week uh, in the book of Nehemiah whenever he talked about prosperity in that first chapter and he talked about how that it was the Lord that prospered them and the word there says to push through. It's a, it's a victory to continue to push through and to keep on going and give you that, 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 that power and that authority to continue on. You know, it's not just a touch, amen. It's a, it's a movement in my life. It's the power to do what I've never been able to do before. But God has given me the grace and the power to do what I've never been able to do. But He's doing it through my obedience as I come down here and I begin to pray and begin to surrender my everythings. Amen? Everythings. And you know, I'm going to tell you something else. I'm watching people down here. And you know, the Lord shows your pastor. People think he didn't know. I'm going to tell you something I know. I pray, I seek the face of God, and he's brought the answer. Had to bring another voice from clear across the country to preach to you, to minister to you, to come with a different anointing, same God but different anointing upon a life. But he's using him. He's using Brother Jared. He's going to use Sister Stacy. And this is going to be a week of a breakthrough in our lives. And I thank God for that, brother. I thank God. Amen. Praise God. You cannot lead anybody or help anybody until you get your breakthrough yourself. Amen. My dad had a man in his church years ago. And uh, he was always wanting to pray for people, but he's bound by cigarettes. Finally, my dad told me, he said, you know what, Elmer? He said, who are you going to deliver? 
You got that cigarette flopping around in your mouth. You're, you're, don't even pray for anybody. You're bound yourself. But I can tell you when you're free, you've been liberated and you've been freed and you've been delivered. You've got a testimony. You've got a witness in your spirit of the power of God that what he's done for me, he'll do for you. Amen. And that anointing flows through you and that power of God and the spirit flows through you. Praise God. When I first started, I just want to share this real quick. We're not going to keep you all night long, but and I know brother, brothers already preach, but you know it's easy when you're up here like this. I'm not preaching. But I went to CRC years ago. That's a prison out there in Chino. Norco, I'm sorry. And I was in there, and I always saw my pastor. And they'd cast devils out of people periodically. We, You know, at Living Waters, there was always some devil that reared its ugly head in the service, and they'd yell out and all that. Pastor Duke would take care of it, you know, and the group would get around him. And I'd always be over there on the other side thinking, man, them heavy hitters. There they are. They're the heavy hitters over there. I'm just step. I'm just sitting back here on the sideline just going, amen, God set them free. Well, I went into the CRC prison by myself. I was in there on an hour service, a bilingual service, and I've shared this with you, but our folks from Florida have never heard this. But I was in there by myself, and I was preaching, and we had a great service, the men at the end. You know, we had men that received the Lord. I only had an hour. I had to be mindful of the time. I literally had like three or four minutes left until the bell was going to ring or they were going to come in and tell us it was we were, had to dismiss. And I saw this fellow in the back and he's weeping and crying. And just like that, that's why you got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And the Lord told me, he said, call him up here and just lay hands on him and pray for him. If God would have told me he had a devil in him, I wouldn't have done it. Just just simply out of just inexperience and fear, whatever you want to say. I'm just being honest. Let's just be transparent. So I said, sir, come up here. And he come up. He didn't speak English. And I, he's just crying. And the Lord just, you know, laid on my heart. I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe he's missing his, his, his wife or maybe he's missing his kids. Maybe he's missing mama. I don't know. I don't know. But, but he said, just lay your hand on him and pray for him. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he's going, oh. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. And when I touched his head, he went, boom. Fell back, eyes rolled back in his head. Devil stirred up right there. Demon possessed. I thought, dear Lord in heaven. I got a devil. I've never cast one out. I got three minutes. My English interpreter's at the back at the drinking fountain. And I just got on him. Just crawled on top of him, did exactly what my pastor showed me. Some things are caught more than taught. I just watched him and I jumped up there on top of him and I said, Devil, you let him go now in the name of Jesus. He let out a scream. And, and the next thing I know, he was like, he started crying. He said, I'm free. And I was like, He stood up and he's going, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Libre, libre, libre. You know what I'm saying, you Spanish speakers. The bell rang and I walked outside and I thought, oh my gosh, what in the world just happened? God used me and that anointing came down that head, through that beard, down to them garments. And I can tell you he's going to do the same thing through you. 
that anointing that fell upon that my leader, my pastor, my shepherd, the man that spoke life into me and taught me more than anybody about the Bible. Amen. Amen. I love Pastor Duke dearly. I love him. The man of God poured more into me. But that anointing that was on him was transferred as it rolled down that garment. Amen. And God said, I'll use you too. And let me tell you something. I was on my way home. And I'm shouting and praising God and thanking Him for the deliverance of this man. And that began the experience in my life of deliverance ministry. I wasn't even pastor. And that was 1998. I was worship leader at Living Waters. But when we came into our church in 2000, it wasn't long. Them devils came. Amen. Here they come. And one by one, we saw them delivered. God set them free. Amen. God did a great work and He showed us. That's why this church is a deliverance church. Every New Testament church should be a deliverance church. There aren't the haves and have-nots. Amen. Oh, Pastor, no. There's. I'm going to tell you something. We need to walk in the authority and the power of God that He gave us in the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what His church is. That's who His church is. And so... We can't live beneath it. You know why? Because so many lives depend on what we do. Amen. And so church this week, get in here. Break through. Let God touch you. Let Him fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because you can't make it in this hour. You couldn't before, but you really can't in this hour without the Holy Ghost. You need the power of God in your life. That breaks the anointing that breaks every yoke. And not only does it break every yoke, but the Bible says that it gives you the power to abide. The anointing gives you the power to abide, to stay in that position that you're supposed to be in, in God. Amen. And don't deviate from it. I'm so thankful tonight for you, Brother Jared. Amen. Amen. You know, the first couple of times I saw him, I thought, this guy's a nut, man. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, you know. I mean, I thought, he is all over the place. But I'm so glad that God crossed our paths. I need him in my life. This church needs him in our lives. Amen. And they need us too. Amen. And I'm thankful for the relationship.